2: Hey everybody, it's been a long and cold and lonely winter of fun drives, and we're very happy to be back. We played a pretty active role in the fun drive. Wanna thank all of you who purchased this in particular the Paul Robeson set. This is Eric Mann, by the way, the host of Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show. I'm in studio with our producer and co-host Chani Martinez, and we are deeply moved and shaken by the amazing uh, four-part miniseries on Netflix, When They See Us, by Ava Tavernay. Uh, She's done a lot of very fine work, but I think this is probably by far her best work or doesn't have to be compared to anything. It's just pretty amazing. In the thing we sent out, I try to remember all the adjectives, but I certainly said brilliant, breathtaking, And by breathtaking, I mean literally takes your breath away. You can barely breathe when you watch it. Uh, And a tremendous contribution to the movement. When They See Us is the story of the Central Park Five, five uh, young, four black, one Puerto Rican boys who were almost, only two of them even knew each other by accident. They were thrown together in a totally contrived, Charge of raping a white woman that led to the racist hysteria of their arrest, imprisonment. And what Ava DuVernay does is takes you through it in such painful detail that it's one of the most phenomenal exposes of just from almost birth to prison, in particular, how black and Puerto Rican, black and Latino kids' lives are, are spent. It's a it's a description of a system so heinous that even if you're a liberal, revolution is the only solution. I mean that in the most serious way, and after Channing does his commentary, I'm going to walk you through 25 of the 500 structural questions that she raises in the film. So we're thrilled, and the other part of the conversation is that the Strategy Center for, no question, five years has had a campaign called we're now calling it the Campaign for Urban Reconstruction. But the demands are uh, free public transportation, no police in the OUSD schools, no police on the trains and buses, stop MTA attack on black passengers, and no cars no way. And it is an effort to put together a climate justice sort of fighting the the uh, imperialist climate state and. F- fighting the police state at the same time, and they're very integrated. Later on, I'm going to talk to you about what I think are the imperatives of that campaign and ask all of you to do a lot more for to support that campaign, as we're doing a lot more to really get it off the ground this summer and this fall. The incident that provoked this passion on our part is that we were very happy that Dr. Malina Abdullah of Black Lives Matter reached out to Channing and myself, just last week, and said, hey, uh, Ava DuVernay's uh, film, When They See Us, is showing Friday night. Why don't we show the first two long episodes? And we did so. We did it in conjunction with Black Lives Matter and their Youth Vanguard. There were about 50 organizers there. And as I said, at the end of the film, uh, um, Melina's daughter, who was one of the leaders of the movement, said... Maybe we should all stand up and just breathe. It was that hard to breathe in the room. So we have a lot to say about both the film but also the campaign because the problem is any great film only comes to life through the demands of changing the system, and and we're going to try to challenge you, uh, our listeners, to really get help for our urban reconstruction campaign. So I'm going to turn it over to Channing Martinez, who is going to do his first commentary, and then I'm gonna do a commentary after his.
1: Well, I was, I was actually hoping we can listen to the trailer
2: first. Oh, great, it's a two Thank you. of trailer. course, of course. Thank you. That's a great idea. It's my mom. here?
0: It's just us you and us. Who you were in the park with? I don't know names. I just got lost. Where did you see the lady? One, one lady. The female jogger was severely beaten and raped. Every black male who was in the park last night is a suspect. I need all of them. What's going on with my son? Your son was involved in a rape in Central Park. Uh-huh. No, no, th- no wait, a impossible. wait a second, wait a second. They saw you rape the lady. I didn't see a lady or hit anyone. I didn't see any lady. Kevin. I didn't see any lady. I want to see my son right now, right now. Whatever they said I did. Nothing these boys state matches the central facts of the crime. All we need is for one to tie this whole thing together. These tapes are not as clean as the state would have you believe. There is injustice happening here. There is not one shred of evidence. Imagine the frenzy of these teenagers. Ripping off her they car. are Innocent of these crimes. They are guilty. They're doing us like this? What other way they ever do us? I've been having these dreams. Since I, met I keep hearing these footsteps. And they're coming closer and closer. That's me. Coming to bring me home. They said if I went along with it, that I could go home. And that's all I wanted
3: the police will do anything lie on us they will lock us up they will kill us
0: this is my life i don't think we should admit to something that we didn't do
3: okay we keep fighting
1: Oof, so as you can see, just to get a feel of the film and how it sounds and all the different ideologies and concepts in there, it's deep. Even hearing the trailer just brings it all back to (laughs) me. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. You know, one thing I was thinking before I even get to the the review is when I was watching the film, you know, it didn't occur to me until I saw them getting out that, you know, my own uncle has been in prison forever. And when they released him, they released him and they deported him. And so it only occurred to me at that moment that, you know, I never met my uncle due to the racist re-enslavement, con- uh, I'm sorry, racist re-enslavement um, complex. complex. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's something I'm reflecting on. I haven't written about it yet because um, I haven't even processed it. But You know, it's something new. So so I did write a review, and a lot of it is some of the things I was saying during the film screening, I mean, after the film screening. Um, But as you can imagine, after seeing, you know, basically the state, you know, create genocide on the big screen against black and Latino folks, you know, uh, what you have to say after the film is very important, but it's also very emotional. It's very reactive. It's, you know with all types of things that are not, you know, fully codified always. So this is sort of an attempt to codify it. Um, so Ava DuVernay's When They See Us illuminates the fact that the system is rigged. The film is both a call for compassion for black boys, black youth, black and Latino people all over the nation, and a call to action to not reform the system, but rid the earth of disease, the disease of imperialism and all its repercussions and elements. It's heartbreaking for me to see a reality on the big screen that for many years, I and other black boys have had in their psyche for years. No, my mom didn't give me the talk, that is. Um, In some ways, she didn't have to. We saw it on TV. We saw it in our neighborhood. And we all knew to be careful because the police hated you. In the first episode, we see what is the nightmare of the racist re-enslavement system, being stopped by police en masse, being rounded up, taken, uh, taken only to be beaten and forced to confess to crimes you didn't do, being, fa- uh, being falsely promised you can, go, you can be free if you cooperate when cooperation requires basically robbing Peter to pay Paul and trading your entire soul for freedom. These scenes at first affected me the most because despite being an organizer, knowing the system is rigged, there's always a little ounce left that allows you to hope just a little bit that there's in su- just a little bit that there's some validity with the to the system and there's so-called regulations. I like the formation that you used yesterday, Eric. Um, you said the system wants to believe that it can be wants you to believe that it can be reformed using the very tools in the system itself. Tools, now now my words, tools that include, the right to deny search and seizure without a permit, the right to an attorney before answering questions, the right to remain silent as a minor when your parent is not in the room, the right to ask the officer if they currently have any charges against you and if they plan to detain you based on the charges. And don't get me wrong, you know, these tools are very important. In fact, these tools are in fact very important. But as we say at the Strategy Center and in the movement, they make up the laws. And when the laws don't fit their agenda, they simply make up new ones. Um, One thing I was saying this Friday when we collectively watched the film was, there's absolutely no way as a movement we can reach every single person to make sure they know their rights and make sure they voice their rights while in an interrogation room. There's absolutely no way. And even if for in some alternative universe we could, there is no guarantee that the officer will respect your rights. In the film, when the young men repeat over and over what they knew, which was nothing, and that they were not involved, they were slammed against the wall. They were essentially beaten into submission. The system is rigged, and the only viable next move is to move towards revolution we don't want better treatment inside of apartheid. We want an end to apartheid. That should be pretty obvious, in my opinion. Um, At least for me, you know, seeing the film made our demand for no police all the much more important. Um, And there's a lot more to say about that, but let me continue. Um, Sure, there's the temptation to make, uh, to want to make, The original DA, the judge, the prosecutor suffer by taking away their spoils of war. But that's not enough. We need to change the entire system because it's tearing families apart. Um, And then the last part I said, you know, just reflecting on the fact that I've never met my uncle. And just, you know, even thought about families being ripped apart and that being a purpose an integral part to the survival of the system that you have to be a part because when you come together then you want to start a revolution
2: um. thanks Chen. i mean i do think that was great and and you know i've been so first of all thank you again that that was chenny martinez and you know i've been actually doing a lot of work on my own political history and i've been doing a lot of work on the concept of memory which is that you know there's a lot of ways that memories come back. Uh, certainly, if a woman has been raped, if a woman has had a terrible experience and repressed it, uh, you know, it's often in a period of either further crisis or further liberation that she feels able that concepts that you had allegedly forgot, but in fact you had suppressed, come back. And I've been doing work about the more I'm working on my. Of political history more memories are coming back more vividly and I don't think they're hallucinations I think they're actually the more conscious I become the more I study it's allowing me to go back into my brain or even things are coming out of my brain that have been repressed so I think the story of your uncle and then of course he's in prison and then he's deported well the two arms of this horrible country is you know First, you get it. First, you're a prisoner. And then, congratulations, you're out and you're deported. Uh, so we'll do more work on that. But I just think that was important for you. And I think for a lot of our listeners, this, certainly for our black and Latino listeners, in particular indigenous listeners, all the, all the victims of U.S. genocide, the flood of memories coming back that I think this film is going to bring up makes it very hard to watch, which is why it's such a great film. It's, a, it's an almost, I wrote excruciating, and uh, it's okay. We need some excruciating because the system is so rigged right now. I was listening, I'm about to do my commentary, but I was listening to Elizabeth Warren today, and you know, you get the thing from Move On. They say, um, she rocked it, she rocked it, so I went and saw a seven-minute thing of Elizabeth Warren. Now, compared to Donald Trump, she's very, very good. You know, she really is. She's saying that we have structural crises, and structural crises need structural solutions. That's very important. That's great. That's a great frame, great frame. And I'm hoping that we can get her through this Ava DuVernay film, through the movement, to understand there's some structural solutions she does not want to even touch, which I'll get to. So she talks about, you know, paying back student loans. She talks about $50 billion to historically black colleges and universities, which is very, very good. But then she says we're the richest country in the world and we can afford it. And Elizabeth Warren, oh the structural issue is that is stolen money. It is That is not your money. It's not our money. It's taken from the indigenous lands. It's taken from the slaves. It's taken today from Africa, Asia, and Latin America. It's taken from the black nation. Uh, so you can't say we're the richest country in the world and that's why you can afford it and you didn't touch the structural issue of the Defense Department which is the War Department trillion dollars and you didn't touch at all dismantling prisons and dismantling racism so right. we got a long way to go uh, so in that context I want to tell you about the, fil- the film's impact on me and here's the thing I want you to understand um I'm going through a lot of changes, too, which is that, you know, during a revolutionary period, my rage level was allowed to be very high because we were all enraged. I mean, black people on the street were enraged, the the black movement was enraged, and we were winning a lot of things, and so the rage plus victory was a very positive connection before rage led to more repression and more prison and more killings by the police. And I've gotten less angry in a lot of ways. I'm director of a nonprofit. I have to, you know, sort of say angry things in less angry ways, uh, more revolutionary things in less revolutionary ways. I don't want to go into what we call a series of left errors. I don't want to just say anything on my mind, as you said, Jenny, There's still a structure to this. But I want to argue that the specific demand of cutting the U.S. military budget by 50%, and then 50% again, and then 50% again, until you get it to zero, cutting the LAPD budget today by 50%. Right today, there's an uh, EE measure on the ballot, that the strategy center does support, which is trying to, it's a property tax, it's what it is, in order to get $50 million uh, for the... um, $500 million, I'm sorry, over about 10 years, I think, for the school system. But one elephant in the bathtub is that the Los Angeles School Police Department has a $67 million budget per year, which over the next 10 years is $670 million, almost seven-tenths of a billion. So if they say there's a a a shortage of funds, but they will not touch the police state, that's what we live today. And we have to go after the police, uh, not through the partial measures that are not working, but the fundamental question is no police in the schools, and we mean it, no police on the buses and trains, and we mean it, no cars in LA, and we mean it, if you understand next week we'll do more on climate, the climate piece of this, free public transportation, getting people out of their cars, stopping the attacks on black passengers, we have a uh, if you are interested in working on this campaign, it's info at the strategycenter.org It's at Eric Mann Speaks. Is that right in terms mm-hmm. of Twitter? And where else should they just tell us they want to get involved? Those are the two. Okay, you info. Just, I'm sorry, go.
1: You can just look us up anywhere, and we will be there.
2: <laughs> That's a good one. Look us up anywhere, and we will be there. So now I'm going to do my version of uh, when they see us, and again profound gratitude to Ava DuVernay for this amazing film so in 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 the first one first episode and I have not seen the fourth by the way I've only seen three so far
1: Oh, the fourth is
2: my gosh yeah I mean when I said to you you know where's the good part you said there isn't that's not what you're gonna see
1: I mean there's there are some (laughs) good parts but
2: overall... No, it's not, it's not trying to be a good <laughs> it's part. It's not trying to be a good part. That's not what this film right. is about. It's not, <laughs> what's the good part of the slave story? Uh, Eric, it's slavery. Okay, so let me go through some things. The first thing I really think is true is this system. You know how these white people say it's as easy as shooting something in a barrel, meaning anybody you, you can't miss? Well, this system is like kidding, like shooting black, Latino, and indigenous people in a barrel. That's what it is. They're trapped in a barrel, surrounded by guns, with people shooting into them, and there's only one solution. There is no liberation without breaking out of the barrel and grabbing the guns themselves, which is why Mao said political power comes out of the barrel of a gun. So you see a bunch of kids in the park. That opens up the film. They're 13, 14, 15. They're 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. They're kids, and they're running in the park because there's no place else to go. As one John Lizagamo says later to the cop, I didn't want him on the street, so I sent him to the park. But again, it's shooting black kids in a barrel. There's no place to run. Mm-hmm. So they run to the park. They harass some white, uh, if you've ever been to Central Park, you know, there's all these you know people of all races on bikes. So they harass some white bike people. That's it and they're running wild, and they're having a good time, running wild like teenagers, and a rape happens that has nothing to do with them, nothing whatsoever. And uh, leaving aside her other legal problems, Felicity Huffman does play Linda Fairstein. It's a tough part to play, to play such a vicious racist, and give her credit for that. I mean that because she plays it to the hilt to show every ugly, ugly part of the police state And yes, the effort to say somebody must crack down on rape and I don't particularly care anymore because essentially we know some black kid did it. And so the question, does it really matter which one we get since as she says, aren't they all? And I won't even say all the things she says. I'm trying to be careful to not replicate this. Then you see Vera Farmiga, who at first a minute I didn't recognize, she plays the real attorney in the real world, Elizabeth Lederer, She's supposedly the good cop, you know, the good DA who says, this doesn't make any sense, this doesn't make any sense, the evidence doesn't work. And her superior says, well, what do you want to do? This is your career on the line. You're a prosecutor. That's what you do. So that's why um, uh, I do blank her name. The attorney general of California is running for president. Um, Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris. Well, I can't vote for Kamala Harris. Uh, Certainly not in the primary. She was a prosecutor and she prosecuted. She wasn't the white racist prosecutor. She was the black prosecutor and she prosecuted with a vengeance. And now she's trying to undo. Well, you ran as a prosecutor. You won as a prosecutor. You prosecuted. You put all kinds of innocent people in prison. You refused the prison movement's d- demands to do anything decent. You refused any kind of reforms, and now you're running for president and you're trying to reincarnate yourself. Good luck. We'll discuss that some other time. Mm-hmm. But it's about the structure, the structure, the structure. Prosecutors prosecute. So then this issue of being in, in detention by the sh- sheriffs I want to go back because uh, there was an early, early TV show with two black detectives in Baltimore that everybody liked, and they, and I didn't. And I would talk about taking the suspect in the box. And everybody right. would be sort of, uh, all the guys would do their testosterone on who could break down another human being, right. threaten him, threaten him. Including Andre Brower was one of the actors. You know, make the kid pee in his pants, make the kid... Defecating his pants, threatening them with everything. You have facts on them. You know about their mother. You know about their father. In one scene here, they threaten the father, and who's been—he has a criminal record, and he's been has a good job for five years. And they tell the guy, if you don't rat, if you don't get your son to testify, then you won't have any money to, to to have a family. And the father is complicit as the slave is complicit at times in ratting out another slave. And it was so horrifying to see that on the screen, the heartbreak of the father and saying, just tell him something, give him something. And to watch these detectives. So I ask you out there, how many detectives do we have a right to have? And my answer is none. Get these people out of here. You, have, you are complicit if you don't want to cut this police budget by at least, and say, nobody can go in the hole. You can't even be talked to by a detective without, but here's the problem, without who? A public defender? Overstrapped, overworked, undercommitted for some in a, in a totally skewed system. So this is all about a system, and what, that's what Ava DuVernay has done. That's just amazing. She takes you step by horrible step And so then, as you said, the the brutality, signing forced confessions, the kids don't know what they signed. They don't, then they read them things. The kids can't even read half the time or couldn't read what they signed. It doesn't matter. The concept of forced confessions are accepted. And remember, 95% of all confessions are forced. Folks, what do you think? Do you understand what a confession is? 95% of the people don't go to trial. So... Force confession and then plea deal. And they, this is the free country. Democrats talk about the rule of law. Hey, Trump, you violated the rule of law. And Trump says, what laws? What laws, Democrats? Hillary Clinton, you passed the Effective Death Penalty Act. You passed kicking women off welfare. You passed uh, ending welfare as we know it, Bill and Hillary. You passed mandatory maximums and minimums. That's the law. So please don't tell us about the rule of law in this fascist country. Now, so we went through the box. The lawyers, the public defenders, the judges, the DAs, the bail bondsmen, it's a descent into hell because it's an industry. You see these poor black kids being brought in and brought in shackles. They're slaves. I mean, we're not talking uh, analogy. We're not talking hyperbole young black kids, Latino kids, in handcuffs, being brought into court with this whole bunch of people making money off the legal system. So then we begin the descent into hell number one. Next is the, is, is the imprisonment. The kids are now in prison and we see the family trauma. Family trauma as part of the punishment. Guard assaults, sexual assaults, dehumanization, the family travel, families who are having to always go pick up their kids in the prison, family money, $23 phone bills per call sometimes. For 10 no, minutes. For 10 minutes. No food in the commissary. Crappy food in the, in the commissary. So you have to give your, your, your son or daughter money to buy anything because there's not even decent meals in the Not that, you know... And then the dream of an appeal, the dream of parole. This is all in this amazing, we're talking about Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, and we're talking about the strategy center's campaign. Please go on our website right now, register at voicesfromthefrontlines.com, send us an email and say, yes, I'm outraged. I want to work on your campaign for no police in the schools, no police on the trains, no police on the buses, and I mean it, Are you really saying that no police is more of a threat to you than all these police? Because that's what you're saying. You're more worried about some hypothetical black person or Latino. And yes, we get it. With no police, some people will be shot. And with police, the same number of people will be shot. Because guess what? Police don't stop shootings. They only arrest people after the shootings. And the the people they arrest are 95% not the people who did the shootings. So it's pathetic to think the police are protecting you. They're protecting nothing except the police state, which is what their job is. The families, you know, Zach, uh, um, sorry, folks, I am having, a, you know, uh, Zach from Ella Baker Center, um, sorry, he's the director of the Ella Baker Center. He did a really, really great uh, program about the cost to families of incarceration, you know. Uh, Terrible, you know, if your kid is transferred, like if your kid is transferred to Bakersfield and you live in South LA, what does it mean for a family with no car, no money to travel to Bakersfield? Entire family budgets are being turned upside down by the police state. So the answer is you can't transfer. You know, we could have a reform. No transfer within 10 miles of the family. It's not going to happen. But if it happened, it would cut your gas down, but they would still beat the hell out of your kid. Nothing would change except shorter commutes, right. you know? So it's hard to figure out what is the reform. More, better food in the prison. Okay, that's good. I was in prison, folks, for a year and a half. I'll tell you about it sometime. I was in solitary confinement. Uh, this is not a reformable system. There are thousands and thousands of reforms. You can get rid of the guards, yes. Get rid of the bars, yes. Well, how do you have a prison without bars and guards? Even a prison... It's called a fence. You just make a big fence, and then everybody can play ball in there and have good food and good education, even if the goal is the allegedly protect, protection of society. There's no need to degrade people inside that. You see some of these Swedish films. The guy goes to prison. It looks like a college dorm. You know? Really. It, it, it's, it's, he looks the, the white people. They Oh, no, uh, we're not going to let white people have a bad experience. Even when you're in prison, you don't even know it's prison. And the kids can't get into the college dorm, so they go into prison instead. They've never seen a college dorm, either in prison or in college. Uh, Then you come out broken as the system intends. It's not like you just come out. You know, uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh said, when the prison door is open, the dragon will come out. Well, that was me. Let me tell you, I came out half crazy, by the way, really a little delusional about my own revolutionary possibilities, very hurt, very frightened, thrilled. And yes, someday the door opens, and often what happens, Channing, is there's another warrant waiting for you. Oh, yeah. There's a warrant that they didn't tell you, that they're waiting for you, and you get out and you say goodbye, and your uncle goes to be deported, and other people are put right back in prison. Not even violating parole, you know, but the, the terror. And I was terrified. When I left prison, my mom was there, my brother was there, Sarah Driscoll was there. I was terrified that they were going to say, well, Mr. Mann, actually, uh, under the Communist Rule 142 and the Terrorist Rule 143 and under this and that, you have we have other charges against you. And yeah, ahead. I was
1: watching another TV show, and that happened. It was a documentary about... Um, cannabis and there was a man that was locked up for 10 years and he got out after 9 and at they didn't let him out basically because they found quote quote another not another charge but another regulation that prolonged his same charge again so you know the family went to the prison to go meet him they never got a call they never got notified or anything he to, they gave him another 16 years um and, you know, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking.
2: Well, I'm glad the Democratic Party supports the rule of law. That was the law. Right. See? Right. So please, please find another ridiculous argument, but don't hide behind the, the rule of law. You guys are the at least equal law breakers. So then you got... Uh, Oh yeah, so then what happens, you come out broken. You engage in antisocial behavior. What are you supposed to do? You're broken. They broke you. That was the intention, to break your psychology, break your own self-esteem. You come out. What are you supposed to do? You're violating the net of laws to re-imprison the slave. I was in prison for two years, but I often repressed that I was on probation for two years or maybe three with the with anything leading to going back to prison for two more years. They gave me a two year sentence with two years suspended. The two years were these are consecutive. The second two years was pending my successful probation, not parole. They wouldn't give me parole. I, I tried to get parole, they wouldn't parole me. They made me do my whole sentence. Then I acted pretty crazy because I had a parole officer, a probation officer, and I was living with a woman who was on AFDC. And uh, so I told her she couldn't get a phone. And she said, what do you mean you can't get a phone? I said, because I'm not supposed to be here, because you can't have a man in the house. So if I'm on the phone and they tap the phone, which I think they're doing, she could get kicked off welfare because you're not allowed to have a man in the house. And I could get violated. What? Yes, and I could get violated for because I didn't give the right address. I couldn't give the right address because I was living with this priest who was my, you know, I lived here one day a week just to cover myself. And, he, and when the probation officer came, we'd have to have this nice, happy, you know, the pastor and his family look like that. I couldn't tell him I lived with my girlfriend Hmm. because she couldn't say that there was a man in the house. It's a rule of law, folks. It's a wonderful society. And I acted in some very, um, very wrong ways because I was terrified of being sent back to prison. Mm -hmm. So the destruction of black and Latino families, you come back, but you come back to the family Oh, right here. Uh, oh, but then I said, somehow in this story is a profound humanity. Nonetheless, a miracle of survival. Paintings, books, arts, plays, letters, art forms have come out of all this in the black and Latino community. Mm-hmm. Amazing when you think about it. Prisoners who write... And I have to do a better job of answering them. They write. There's a the prison letter is an art form in itself. I used to write a lot of them. We were allowed two pages, one front, one page front and back. Oh, wow. So you learned the small, You were writing like a whole book in the tiniest handwriting. You know, beautiful print. You learned, and you'd send out these super dense letters, expecting people to respond to everything you said. You know, uh, and people were very nice to me to respond to my letters. So I wanted to focus on the fact that the families here are all in the story doing the very best they can. And the thing to understand in this story, you're listening to Eric Mann on Voices from the Front Lines, we're discussing when they see us, is you come home already to a family that doesn't have enough money, a family that doesn't have enough food, a family that doesn't have enough rooms. So the brother comes out, and he tries to come, and the, his room is taken up by three kids. Yeah, And he's really mad, but, but what, what did they do wrong? He was in prison for maybe 15 years. They had all these babies. Mm-hmm. So it shows the way that the, the, the family, the nuclear family, is supposed to absorb all the crimes of imperialism. And then you blame, of course, the Latino and black indigenous family, the white working class family, where... The family, which is an artificial construction in a lot of ways, is expected to be a unit to hold not just the crimes of the system, but the psychopathic nature of the system. In other words, you're trying to have a sane family, but the sane family is under phenomenal pressure, bringing in then the ex-con who is a good person often, I don't mean he's totally broken or she's totally broken, but she's got a lot of things she's trying to figure out as she gets out of prison. Are there really good services for her? Are they saying, sorry, 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 you know, here are all the great things. going to No, of course. More parole, more probation, then they have the thing about the box. You know, ban the box. There's a box on every uh, job application. Have you ever been convicted of a felony? I was very lucky. Because I was uh, convicted of a misdemeanor. Uh, They treated it like a felony. They treated me like a felony. But I I was able to avoid that box. If I had not avoided I wasn't going to say I was convicted of a felony. But the point is, I could have worked there for nine years. And if they ever found out, that was grounds for immediate termination. Because I lied on my part. So you live in total fear in our... Fascist police state called the United States of America. And these presidential elections, I'm sorry, all of them are talking about a fairy tale country. I mean, we know Trump and his mental illness and his xenophobia, but I'm sorry, we got to have, we need some Democrats to, but you can't. You can't run for president and say this is an imperialist, racist uh, a, uh, country that is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. And the source of racism, you can't say, I'm going to free all the prisoners.
1: No, they would kill
2: you, literally. And they sure wouldn't vote for you. And They're, they wouldn't vote for you. Right? Yeah, so we're caught in a, in a dilemma where the movement is going to have to tell those truths. The movement is going to have to speak with a higher level of truth-telling right now. And again, I've uh, got to give Dr. Uh, Molina Abdullah uh, one of the very best truth-tellers <laughs> I've ever seen. You know, I mean, she is going to tell it like it is, and great respect for her. I went to the Cal State L.A. Black Studies uh, dinner honoring her, and boy, that talk she gave, uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe she's pulling me. That was great, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that was a great talk. <laughs> <laughs> great talk. So um, we may go to the phones and just hear a few other voices and see uh, I got about five more minutes each on the, on the uh, tirade. And then I want to get to, the, again, the point. There's more. There's more. There's more. The cage writers, I'm saying, the caged writers, meaning prison writers, Mumia Abu-Jamal, amazing prisoners, Leonard Peltier, uh, heartbreaking prison visits, but heart-beating prisoners. I want to start on, end on the very positive, that somehow there was slave literature. Somehow there was slave rebellions. Somehow there was slave organizations, slave songs. Follow the drinking gourd. There was the underground railroad. Uh, I want to immerse myself in the terror of this all. I don't want to move so quickly to the optimistic because that's what she's trying to say. Is for eight hours, just deal with this. Right. You know, no, there is no. There will be some happy endings, and she's doing some great stuff, Ava DuVernay, about already putting out ties to a lot of people doing prison support work and stuff like that. But that's not the purpose of this film, and since you've seen the last one, I haven't. Why don't you make a closing statement about the film, and then if you're interested in talking to Channing and I, 818, oh, Morris from Long Beach. Let's take him right now. He, Morris, you're the only one who just gets right on. You have an analogy. Can we talk to Morris from Long Beach, please? Uh,
3: yes, hello, everybody. Listen, you know, I remember when Bernie Sanders said that that we need a political revolution. Y'all familiar with that? Yes. Yep. Well, actually, actually what we need in our country is a, is a cultural revolution. That's what we really need. You know, that stop and frisk, I'm talking about my time, because everybody's got something they were dealing with in their generation. And my generation, I'm, I'm looking at this stop and frisk, and that ain't nothing but a, a slave patrol under a new name. Right. And you're talking about four million people whose lives have been ruined. And, you know, if you look at the core of all this, you're talking about any time you privatize your commons, or your humanity, you know, you, you get what you're getting now. And let's look at what's going on with my, my fellow white brothers and sisters. Fifty million people are underwater, flooded out their homes, right on? Right. And, and I mean, it's, uh, Jesus, uh, Martin Luther King said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Of course, nobody was, you know, listening to him, right? <laughs> but he told the truth, because as long as you racialize your narrative, you can turn an American into a sadistic being, right on? And they vote both to, to their own worst that lead to their own demise, right on? And we've got to have a cultural revolution in this country. And the only way we can do that is to educate people, enlighten people. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do because they're watching Fox News. I got what he's saying. And look at the context, y'all. Look at the context when he said that. He didn't say that at lunch. He said that after they beat him down. Okay, so we've got to try to talk to our brothers and sisters and change their cultural attitudes. uh, Really, that's the only choice we got. Otherwise, we're not going to survive. Thank you.
2: As always, Morris, thank you. A pleasure wow. to have you on our show. Channing, why don't we both go to the campaign a little bit because I want to focus on... Why don't you tell me, you know, since we've done... This is what we do. We talk about it all the time. Are there any new thoughts you have about the campaign since seeing the film? Um,
1: well, well, let me get one thought um, any out. Thought, any
2: thought you want. I'm sorry. Just so I can get it out of I'm my sorry. head. yeah.
1: Um, the last thought I have about the film is that she is making a very big intervention because... Prison films, prison TV is a very big genre in TV. And most times That's right even, no matter how good you think the show is, they are being very apologetic to the system and saying, look at these prisoners That's right. rehabilitating themselves. And you know what what she's doing with this film is saying, look at these prisoners and look at the slavery system. And look at how, you know, she's putting the system on trial in many ways in this same genre that people use to apologize for the system, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, the only new idea, it just, it makes me even more, it makes me feel like, okay, we are not crazy (laughs) to some extent. That, you know, sometimes, you know, the system beats you down and you get tired of being you know, one of the few only people saying the most revolutionary thing, but you know, I think it's very helpful to have a national force, you know, behind your back saying the exact same thing, right, and trying to mobilize people on a mass um, force. And you know, in many ways, that is the upper hand that the system has. They have their media system. You know, Fox News is national and international. And one thing I was saying at the screening of the Bus Riders Union is that. You know there are there are whole fights about getting the United States media into a country just to get that ideological ideology into the country to then divide the room, right? And in in a bigger sense, you know, this film is going to be so helpful to the film to the movement in order to just you know broadcast the movement's ideas and ideologies in mass um, because you know we're we're I mean. I think I'm a good organizer. I think we're all good organizers, but we can only reach so many people at one time.
2: And to build on that, and then I'm going to take uh, Bill's call, is that what you're saying is that the Strategy Center has been saying for a long time, stop U.S. genocide against the black nation. I, I read this book. It's called Recharge Genocide, The Crimes of the United States Against the Negro People, written by William L. Patterson. It's one of my favorite books, one of my most important books. I read it. And it's a day-to-day indictment of the United States that was brought to the United Nations in 1951. Certainly, Ava DuVernay has created a similar recharge genocide. And it simply means not that we expect everybody to like us, but gives us more confidence to say that's what we think. We are confident that's what we think. You don't have to agree with it. But we want you to know that we really believe that. So when we say no cars, no way, no police on the schools, no police on the trains, we really mean that. Uh, Bill, if I can take your call, and then uh, Gigi in Pasadena.
3: Sure, Eric. Great, great program, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you. I recall this occurred in 1985, the Central Park Five. Right, exactly. And I, what got my attention was when the idiot, repugnant moron in chief in the White House currently, right. he was calling screaming over the media. He wanted the electric chair back and was just, you know, you could see his fangs and blood dripping from him and and then they turned out to be innocent. It was poetic justice and uh, just remember the past and it's just reoccurring. It seems to never end. But... Thanks. The justice came through and I was so relieved.
2: Yeah, and I think that it does show, by the way, a a young Donald Trump... uh, even more uh, insane, if possible. I mean, his level of uh, calling for the death penalty. So he has, look, he has, um, I want you to hear this carefully what I'm trying to say. One of the dangers of fascism is they're good at it. Hitler was not afraid to say what he wanted to say. Under no circumstances am I underestimating the danger of Donald Trump. I'm trying to say that he consistently, is playing to a certain narrative, which is, I don't care what you think, this is who I am, and I, I hate to say a fascist authenticity. I felt at least with Elizabeth Warren today, the first, even better than Bernie, the beginning of at least a voice that sounded like a human voice, that did actually sound like a person who believed in something. I'm trying to be optimistic about the Democrats. Believe me, it's not. It's the last thing I want to do. I, I, I mean. I hate them in my sleep, I hate them when I wake up, but I am rooting for them to win this election. Obviously, we have to have a united front against Trump. But to watch the pathos of Joe Biden, I think Trump is going to eat him alive if he runs. I think he's and I think there's profound danger. So the point I'm trying to say is Trump has been a consistent fascist from and that's film, you know, Ava DuVernay is that's a particular thing she also does in the film, but Notice that when those black boys were on, uh, black Latino boys, where were the Democrats to get them out? That's right. They weren't there, right? So I'm just trying to say we got to keep having this conversation with the Democrats. What are you going to do to get a million black people out of prison? What are you going to do to get 500,000 Latinos out of prison? Yeah, get a a million white kids out of prison too. Most of them, they're all, all of them, 90% of them. Could be let out tomorrow, and there's about ten percent that have some serious behavioral problems that have to be looked at. But aside from that, the danger is far more incarceration than it is for freeing the the prisoners. Uh, Gigi, Gigi, can we? uh, From Pasadena. Thank you. Hi, Eric.
3: Can
0: you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, darling. Wonderful show as always. Um, I have a question, Eric, uh, and it kind of ties in, you know, um, with the caricaturization of uh, the the, the guy, the the young man. And uh, this guy that just shot up and killed 12 people, I have yet to this moment, even on my beloved KPFK, all they say is the guy's name. Never said anything else to this day about him. And usually by now in KPFK, your shows would be saying, "Yeah, you know, he was a middle-aged white guy." Da, 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 da. What? What was he? What was that all about? And it's just so interesting how they could pick up these five children and 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 and, and ramrod them and everything. And yet this guy, it's like out of deference to the family. And hey, I understand that. But when Trayvon was killed, and he they they had had a got caught from marijuana in the tenth grade. That's this, right. This, That's this. right. And and and, uh, and he was the victim. I love you guys. I'm going to listen off the phone because I want my daughter to hear this too. We've been trying to figure this out. Has anybody said anything about this guy's, you know, background other than his name? Thanks, Eric.
2: Thanks, Gigi. Thanks. Uh, um Well, let me say this. I, I Only because, if you can imagine, I've been immersed in 27 things. I had the same reaction out of the corner of my eye. I believe many people he killed were black. And I did think Oh, God, there's a white guy. And we're reaching the point, I hate to say it, where so many white people are killing black people, you know, that of all the things in my mind, I I, I sort of filed it under, I better look at this. So here's a commitment to the listeners. We will, on next week's show, have a segment about that very thing because it is very important. I also want to go back, honestly, to document, so there's a promise on the air, Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com even from the Oklahoma City bombing, which was a white right wing guy who bombed the federal government and so many of my hundreds, I believe, were federal employees, many of whom were black. We just, the government does not take these hate crimes seriously. And thank you, Gigi. I I don't know what I'm talking about, but I will by next Tuesday at three. Do send us, I don't even know if you're on it, Gigi, that uh, Go on our website, VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com, so we can send you out, Channing and I put out, usually it takes us till Tuesday morning, the coming attraction for the day. We're also going to try to up our level of podcast, which this show is available on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. It's immediately available on KPFK. And explain the podcast process as well. Sure.
1: So now it's also available on SoundCloud. We did a a great announcement about that on Instagram. It's available on uh, Google Play. It's available on uh, iTunes. And there's one that I can't remember the name of. Sorry. Stitcher. There's one. It's also available on Stitcher as well.
2: It would be very good if any of you could go on any of those sounds, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, or Stitcher, and send us an email, Eric at Voices from the Frontlines, and say, yeah, I listen to it via the podcast format, so we can know we're reaching people. We're going to do a lot more around that. Um, all right, so we're almost out of time. We have, how many times we got, how much time we have, Ricky? Herrera, thank you. Channing, last thoughts?
1: Yeah, um... And it's a, it's just a follow-up on everything that we said. And I reflect, because you said Trayvon Martin, I reflect on our Trayvon Martin campaign. And one thing that I was thinking about during watching the film is that, you no, know, the movement is doing okay, but we need to, as a movement, start demanding, having more revolutionary demands. So, you know, I appreciate a lot of the work of To the extent of, all right, let's discipline that particular D.A., but where is the demand to investigate the entire New York City Police Department?
2: But I would say again that the investigation is, is, if I could say, is not the full demand because I think the answer, again, is to cut the police budget by 50% because what are you going to investigate? The laws give the police so much discretion that remember you're investigating them for violation of a law so if dred scott says that the the slave must cannot run away that the slave is perpetually property you know then the runaway slave law says that you must in the united states says that you have to return the slave so i think the problem Do with investigating the police department is they'll say all right bring on the investigation who's going to be in charge of the investigation the district attorney You know, so I think we got to get to the core issue, which is on the issue of police and cars, there is no electric car, folks. There is no—I want to do more work on—you can't—we have 7 million cars in L.A. right now. 7 million electric cars, if if we ever, ever get there, which we won't, it's not going to stop the climate crisis. We're, We're all locked into, all of us, into the system we're trying to change. We can accept those contradictions. We all have them. But I think this is a time for bolder action. We are calling for no cars, no way, no police. Does any of this interest you besides the film review? I'm hoping when we get back at info at thestrategycenter.org and at Eric at Voices from the Frontlines, we could at least have 25 people that either registered for the show or called and said, yes, call me back. I want to get involved in the campaign. Absolutely. So I want to thank you, Channing, for all the work you do to make our machine that's trying to take on the system work, all the social media, all the preparation. Uh, Ricky Herrera, thank you for the help you give us. And Nina Simone, thank you for always having a hopeful end to the show. We Absolutely. begin We begin by Here Comes the Sun. And we end with I Did It My Way and You. And we always end with Nina Simone, so you can't lose. Thanks a lot to the families of the prisoners right now. Uh, God bless you. I know you're going through hell. Get in touch with us at info@thestrategycenter.org. And big, big props to Ava DuVernay. I mean, this is your finest work by far, when they see us. Check it out on Netflix. Get involved in the Strategy Center. Thanks for everything. Take good care. See you next Tuesday. Glad to be here for a while.
1: See you next Tuesday, all power to the people.